classical music the way it should be on Radio St. George at 100.3 FM. Testing? I can hear you now, but barely. Okay. You might need to turn it up. KDXI St. George. Radio St. George at 100.3 FM. And we welcome you to the Extraordinary Talk Show, a show to help you understand yourself and the world from a new perspective. And in the process, help you find your own personal extraordinary. And now your host for the Extraordinary Talk Show, Della Hill. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Extraordinary Talk Show. I love Mondays. I used to not love Mondays, and now Mondays are my favorite favorite thing ever because I get to come here with you guys and share amazing insightful tips that will hopefully help you change your life and speaking of changing your life I would love to introduce you to my friend Cody Ramela who is my guest here on the show today Cody has been a guest on my show today but you might not recognize him because I had Cody on the show last in October and Cody's definitely made some changes since that time. In fact, I didn't I almost didn't realize that it was October that kind of was a kickoff point for a lot of Cody's internal changes and progressions and things that he's gone through. So I want to spend some time and talk to my really, really good friend Cody about all the changes that he's gone through and some of the things that he has done to get there. So Cody, I'm gonna throw you right on the spot. Sounds great. And can you tell us, I don't know, just since October, some of the changes that you've seen in your life? Oh man, uh I mean, my entire life has changed since um, October. Um, I'm now right about 105 pounds down. 105 <laughs> pounds. The reason I'm not more surprised is because I've been surprised along the whole journey. I've been surprised and delighted along with Cody every day when he's like, hey, it's another five. I'm, first, he's like, I'm at 30 pounds. I'm like, woohoo. Then he's at 50 pounds. I'm like, wow. And he's like, I'm 80 pounds. And I'm going, what? Now Cody's at 105 pounds lost since October. Okay, that I, I'm so glad you said that one first because it's such a, a huge one. I mean, like you've you've lost a small person, um, but I also know that there's so much more that's going on, and even that weight loss is really just an external symptom of everything that Cody's doing on the inside. So, okay, I, I interrupted you because I'm so excited about that one, but tell mm-hmm. us some more of the changes. Oh, absolutely. Um, the the number one change has probably been meditating every morning. Um, now, but okay, I'm going to interrupt again. There's not been like one thing that's been the same since then. So, meditating is a thing that you do now that you didn't used to do. Is that what you're saying? Correct. And do you feel like meditation is a result of changes, or was it like a key to changes? Um, for me, it was part of the key that kind of kicked off everything. I mean, I've been really interested in. Uh, quantum mechanics and brain states for a while and that kind of helped me understand what was going on but meditating really just kind of kicked everything off for me it was uh, the the one thing that I still do every morning as one of the first things I do when I wake up so uh, yeah 100% that's uh, the main key to my weight loss was meditating every morning that's I love that. I know that's not the only thing you do every morning. What other things are you doing now every morning that you used to not do every morning? Um, so <laughs> I, I've changed, changed everything. So th- I've realized that there's this narrative that we tell ourselves every day when we wake up. 
And that narrative will, I mean, you've, you've talked about it on your show here before, uh, set your reticular activating system or just tell your subconscious what to search for throughout the day. And so when I realized just what I was doing or wasn't doing and, and just kind of this narrative that plays in everyone's head, it made me realize that I can take control of that, that I can actually start uh, giving a different signal and having a different result. And so instead of, you know, a lot of Monday mornings, um, just just like I think the majority of people um, wake up and say, oh, man, I don't want to go to work this week. I don't want to be here uh, the weekend. Why can't the weekend be longer? And then your subconscious starts searching for reasons that Monday is going to suck for those reasons. And, and there's an endless amount of reasons to, <laughs> to do that. Right. And so changing that and, you know, one thing like changing Monday to uh, one translation was it's my day. And so I mean, like, yeah, Monday's mine. I'm going to wake up and I'm going to make it extraordinary. It's going to be my miracle Monday, you know? And, uh, so what you're doing and I'm, I'm going to kind of throw in some of the words that I would probably use on my mm-hmm. show is you're setting when you very first wake up in the morning, you're deciding what your belief system and your paradigm is going to be for that day. I love the, the term you use narrative that you decide when you wake up in the morning, this is my story today and it's not going to go any other way. My state, my day is only going to be amazing. Right? Exactly. hundred percent. Um, there, there's a wonderful book about all this called the miracle morning. And, uh, it's basically the first 90 minutes of your day, you, whether we realize it or not, we're setting our subconscious to search for whatever that narrative is. And so, um, there's, there's five things I try to hit every morning, um, which is meditation, uh, writing, reading, um, uh, breathing, uh, these just different, and most of these, it was just really interesting is keeping my brain into a deeper brain state for as long as possible. Uh, basically introducing, uh, healing instead of inflammation in my, into my body. And so, and the third and the fifth one is, uh, exercise, um, which I've kind of been lacking to be honest. Um, I, I like to balance. Well, hey, if you lost 105 pounds, Without exercising very much, I think you're doing pretty good. <laughs> it uh, it's been been wonderful. It's been kind of effortless, really. It's it's been so much fun to watch you because it really does seem effortless from my perspective. And I know that you're really good about managing your nutrition. You are very very particular. It wasn't just like you just jumped into any diet that seemed like a good idea. You really did a lot of research. And I know that you listen to podcasts constantly and you read books constantly and you're super into Dave Asprey, who's all about biohacking. He does the, he's the bulletproof diet guy. And uh, you do a lot of other things to manage your nutrition. But I also, I've known you now for over three years now, right? And when we first met, you were managing your nutrition then. For, for the whole time I've known you, you've been kind of trying to eat better or manage your food better. And it didn't seem like any of those things really took and kept going until this time so i've always kind of been interested in nutrition i've always been um love love learning and researching what my body does what it responds to and it helps that your girlfriend is a dietitian yes so Uh, she knows her stuff and she's an amazing cook yeah, the you know having a, uh, a girlfriend who has a degree in nutrition helps tremendously, um, and she's amazing at helping me with that. And so, 
but what's really interesting with all of it is is I can't really define because there's not just one thing because everything started building upon each other like everything we do or or put into our body even light uh, tells our body a signal on one level or another on the mitochondria level which is what Dave talks about all the time it, you're basically telling it to either be inflamed or to start healing and uh, realizing that everything like for instance a big thing I did I would drink after work um, and my narrative would be man it's been a long day you deserve this drink um, and it usually wasn't a lot or anything, but that, I mean, I don't drink at all now. I have nothing against drinking. I'm excited for the day when I will have a drink again. Um, I don't know when it'll be. It'll be a surprise to even me. <laughs> but <laughs> uh, it's just the narrative that I changed on, um, you know, I deserve health. I deserve to thrive. And changing that narrative of not like, oh, I'm lacking alcohol. No, I'm gaining health. I'm gaining my life. You know, I'm gaining so much more. And I want to stop you before we get too far because you said something really, really important that you deserve health and and you deserve, I think, wellness. I don't remember what else you said. Did that belief change for you? Tell me the before and after of that belief. Uh, Yeah, I I would leave my health to circumstance. Um, Most of what I had learned was simply diet and and the way you move your body is how you achieve health, which is true, but there's so much more that builds on top of that that was missed. And did you feel, and I want to ask this because of the way you phrased it, did you feel prior to this journey that maybe you didn't deserve to be in good health and to have a strong, healthy body? Um, you know, it's an interesting question. I have wouldn't say that I wouldn't feel like I didn't deserve. Well, yeah, I guess I would say that. With what I was inputting into my body, um, my, my brain function was pretty much um, just in a constant survival mode. So... I mean, I would lie to myself and say like, oh, I, I ate some lettuce today. I'm actually pretty healthy, you know, mm-hmm. but not thinking, you know, well, yeah, I also had all this unhealthy stuff. Right. And so I think on a subconscious level, I would be telling myself, well, why would you be healthy, dude? You've been doing all this dumb stuff, you know, mm-hmm. and I think we all know that and we beat ourselves up for that. Um, and that's that's another huge thing is uh being, being gentle with yourself too, mm-hmm. not beating yourself up for the crap you have done, but just looking at your actions and the results of your actions and uh, observing yourself and changing what you want to change. And was it a difficult transformation to go from the belief that you're unhealthy and that's probably what you deserve to going to actually wanting and desiring to be healthy and having a belief that not only could you and should you, but you were worthy and deserving of it. And did you realize you were making so, that, that change when you did it? But as you're telling me, it sounds like your entire narrative changed from kind of understanding food and wanting to be good about it, but not really driving into it very much. And then all of a sudden kind of actually caring about yourself and wanting to give yourself good nutrition. Well, and really a switch just kind of flipped for me. Um somehow meditating and going to these deeper brain states and uh, understanding 
what chemicals were being released throughout my body, what different brain states meant, and really how to change this narrative. I mean, really, circumstance has zero meaning. Like, there is nothing in life that has any meaning at all to it. Only the narrative that we tell ourselves about right. that circumstance. It has the meaning that we give it. But even the meaning yes. we give it isn't going to be the same meaning that someone else gives it. It only exists in our perspective, mm-hmm. right? And Good, uh, bad, pretty, beautiful, ugly, whatever. It's all only... I mean, they say beauty is in the eye of the beholder, but it's. I think that people miss that a lot when we realize that anything is in the eye of the beholder and only there. And yeah, and it's only in my perspective. My perspective only exists in my world. Mm-hmm. And so I can tell myself about everything, especially myself, whatever I want. And so too often I was accepting what other people's version of me was. That is, I would, uh, you, you know somehow have a belief that wasn't from me it just didn't didn't exist in a my choices so if i never but yet you accepted it uh maybe it was a belief that a belief that was put on you or one that you believed was put on you so you just took it yes 100 percent. and i believe that's kind of what childhood is is these uh series of wave collapses where we actually take on other people's belief or um viewpoint of what we should or shouldn't be doing mm-hmm. and, and that's how our paradigms are built exactly in those first five to seven years of childhood and we live those paradigms the rest of our life unless we retrain them and and if we never ask ourselves like where did this come from is this still serving me then we are living according to someone else's paradigm our entire lives right there there's a quote that i can't think of right now but i i think it's by maybe Steve Jobs, that he talks about dogma is living according to someone else's expectations. Um, and I know I completely skewered that, but I love that quote because it told it, it kind of spelled out for me, hey, you don't have to live the way that somebody else wants you to. Just because everybody else that lives in the town that you live in, in the state that you live in, in the country that you live in, kind of does things this way, doesn't mean you have to. If those things don't serve you, you don't have to use them. Exactly. And I mean... Isn't average just another word for normal anyway? And normal's just a setting on the dryer, and who wants to be a setting on the dryer? Exactly. And average, I mean, if I look at average across the board on anything, especially in, like, hospitals and stuff, if, like, we're being tested against the average, well, the average is dying. Like, they're not testing for health. They're testing for, are you sick enough to be on medication? I don't want to be the average. I want to be the extraordinary, you know? I want to be the abnormal. And so um, this whole narrative that we start telling ourselves is, I mean, you know uh, Wim Hof. And I would just listen to a body uh, speaking to Dave in Bulletproof Radio. And for those who don't know, I've mentioned Wim Hof before. He's a super cool guy who has trained his body to not worry if it's cold or not. So this guy has literally climbed Mount Everest in shorts and barefoot. Not only has he climbed Mount Everest shorts and barefoot, but uh, there, there's a podcast. His name was Scott. I'll uh, send it to you so you can include it in the, in the link for your show here. But, um, Thanks for that. <laughs> absolutely. And he went and he basically studied Wim and was just like, man, this guy is a madman. I don't know if I believe him. He's going to get people killed. So he decided to go and check this out. And he's a journalist and and uh, look into it. But not only did Wim Hof do that, but he taught this guy within a week 
to be able to train his body by putting in different signals to be able to hike up a crazy ice cold mountain wearing nothing but a bathing suit. And, you know, I, I also want to tell you, Cody, because this is something that you and I have talked about because there's some things that I'm really good at. There's a lot of, of skills that I'm developing and, and working on really well. And I'm definitely have a lot more skills and stronger in a lot of areas than I did a few years ago. But when it comes to being comfortable in the cold, I am not there. I do not like the cold. Well, and what's really interesting, and one thing I actually even wanted to talk to you about is um, that the, since the narrative is so strong within us that we know that that cold does not actually exist where we think it does because it doesn't exist on your skin. It exists within your brain and what you're telling yourself about that. Um, meaning we can rewire our association with that. And whenever we feel that sensation, it can actually bring us joy. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it takes work, certainly, but it's uh, completely up to us to actually change what that literally feels like. Right. And I know that that's something that you wish I would work harder on because there's, there's times when it's cold outside and you'll go, Hey, let's go hang out outside. And I'm like, um, it's cold outside. We're not hanging out outside right now. And you've, you've, you're always very, very compassionate, but there's times you've laughed and you said, Della, you know, we need to work on your relationship with the cold (laughs) because that's, that's, there's a lot of things I'm working on betting, getting better at, but that is not one that I have felt. That's not one I've wanted to be uncomfortable about. That's the thing is because change requires discomfort. Mm-hmm. You have to step outside of your comfort zone to be to be able to change. And for me, that comfort zone means stepping outside of a warm house into a cold outside. And that's very uncomfortable for me. And that's a place that I'm not quite ready to go there yet. But maybe I'm getting ready to be able to go there. Well, and what's really cool is what I'm realizing. Uh, this guy, when he went to Wim Hof's camp, um, went up to Poland and, you know, this is the the winner that stopped the the German Nazi army to, to put in perspective. And he shows up and there's this guy outside wearing pretty much nothing but a bathing suit, getting, you know, snow thrown on him. And he is able to raise his temperature enough that steam is coming off this guy. Uh, and they're like, do this for like 10 minutes. So this guy just steaming and able to completely not only control, but raise his body temperature. I mean, you for the stories of Wim Hof being able to raise his body temperature while they're trying to put in the ice in the water and like they can't put in enough ice because he keeps melting it. <laughs> and so realizing that it's even less of being comfortable in a, in a warm house and really taking control of our brains because that cold doesn't actually exist where we think it exists. And that's what's fascinating to me. I think that's really where I started to thrive was just realizing how much power my brain and the brain states and what I tell myself about different circumstances and events actually mean or actually are. So continuing with that, what are some other narratives that you've changed since you started this whole process? I didn't ask you this ahead of time, so so you're probably not prepared for that one. So I'm throwing that one on you. Um, so the... Everything has changed, Uh, you know, waking up every morning, the, you know, first 90 minutes of what I'm telling myself um, is is changed. But I mean, there's even simple little things like when I take my vitamins now, I. But you don't call them vitamins, do you? No. So what do you call them when you take them? They're my abundance pills. Abundance pills. I love that. You got to get your abundance pills every day. And that probably makes sure you don't ever miss because you're like, ooh, yeah, you could miss your vitamins, but you're never going to miss your your abundance pills. It's yeah. As soon as I started calling them that, it's definitely more consistent. And 
doing like a little meditation because they do, they've done studies that when you even think about uh, so, so your brain cannot tell the difference between thought and reality. So when you're thinking about abundance, when you're thinking about prosperity, when you're thinking about miracles, if you are literally doing a little meditation and thinking about those things as these are going to your body, then your body is going to respond in and such. So, I mean, even there is it Doctor. I can't remember his name. the The one that did the um, the Secret Lives of Water. And I know <laughs> you don't think I'm crazy, but a lot Emoto, of... Dr. Emoto? Yeah. Yeah, Emoto. Mm-hmm. And uh, in, in the water, we have have photographs of love and hate being uh, talked and taped to these petri dishes and, and different experiments on songs and the vibration of simply water as it's freezing. And they form, as you know, the most beautiful crystals when we just put love into it. And so for me, all these little things started emerging. And I'm like, oh, I'm not drinking water. I'm drinking my life source. Mm. And if I even water that's been through a crazy experience and piped into our house and have this crazy vibration simply by talking love into it completely changes what it's doing to your body, especially on the mitochondria level, right? Um, or the quantum level, if you will. And, and so, and water is something that I work with a lot Yeah, it, because it's so easy. It's so easy to work with water. People don't even realize it. And I've talked about Dr. Emoto on the show before, but talk, Dr. Emoto took different waters or like, you know, a bottle of water, a bunch of different bottles of water, and he had people pray over them and either pray love or even wrote the word hate on the bottle and different things. And then he froze all this water and took pictures of the crystallization. And you can clearly, clearly see the ones that were that were blessed with love and compassion and those things are just beautiful crystals and all the ones that were negativity or hate or things like that are just blah and kind of formless and not pretty at all. So what that tells us is what we're saying to our water matters to our bodies. And since you're right, that is our life source, we might as well put some positivity into it. And it's so easy to do that because you can just take your bottle of water and write love or mm. abundance on it and it's automatically going to work for that. But what I've also found, and I think that I'm trying to add to what you do when you do your meditation, when you take your pills in the morning, that doesn't mean that you sit down and cross your legs and go home every time you take a pill. What I'm guessing that you do is that you probably, as you take them, you feel the feeling of your body being strong and healthy or something like that, right? Because you have to introduce emotion and feeling to thought in order to have the the fullness yes. come out of it. I, uh, I... So, yeah, basically, I take a pill and I just mentally say, this is my abundance pills. This is going to my body, it's going into every cell, and it's making me better in every single way. And I envision it going into my body and getting broken apart and, you know, enriching every single cell in my body. And um, do I think that's going to cure cancer? I mean, well, maybe if I had cancer, but... I do think that it makes such a huge difference, um, just that mindset, you know, like for, for me, yes, I believe I can, I can make everything better in my body by this whole system of abundance and happiness and prosperity. Um, and we only have like two minutes left. So I want to ask you this one really important too. How has your relationship with your body changed? Oh, that one's been huge too. Um, I believe 
It's probably on this show that I saw you talking about having a conversation mm-hmm. with your body, and I started doing that. And uh, one thing I started doing was I started looking myself in the eye and telling myself that I loved me, uh, which I'd never done before. Like it's that, just, that can be a really, really difficult thing to do if you haven't done it before. It's uh, it's it was strange at first. It was weird. Now it's uh, normal. You know, now I catch myself in the mirror all the time and and tell just myself how awesome. Send I am, in a you wink. Know? Um, just cause I really, really wanted to change the narrative about me. Mm-hmm. And so that was the, one of the most important things. So, um, I sat down, I had a conversation with my body and I said, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to start giving you the stuff you need to thrive. And in return, um, we're going to thrive. We're going to thrive together, you know? And I was very fortunate with having a, a great job that I actually did get a lot of exercise out when I was at, um, I mean, even now at my job, I am too, but, uh, but that narrative has been so huge and just having that uh, talk with my body and that um, relationship with my body. Like now, now we're good. Now we love each other, you know, whereas before I only saw the defects, like Mm -hmm. the, the stuff that was good. It just kind of didn't matter because I was only focusing. I only had set my reticular activating system to see the negative. So that's all I was focusing on. Right. And one thing that I think is really important too is you didn't wait for your body to change to have that conversation, right? Like you looked in the mirror 105 pounds ago and said, listen, buddy, we're going to do this together. Exactly. And that's when it started. You didn't wait until you lost 105 pounds to look in the mirror and say, hey, man, I love you. That's how you started. Losing 105 pounds, and that's pretty fantastic. Okay, we have 30 seconds, and I want you to answer this question. How do you, this is your question, how do you show up with compassion every day in your life? How do I show up with compassion? So um, my goal every day is to show up with empathy, compassion, and understanding. That's the filter that I literally put on um, before I leave my house and before I go into work. So it's just a little meditation I do, and I I literally say that I am empathy, I am compassion, I am understanding, which are the elements of love. That is fantastic. And that is how we're going to end our show is with all of the elements of love with empathy and compassion. And thanks so much for being with me again, Cody, and I'm going to have you back soon. Thanks, everybody. We'll catch you next week. You've been listening to The Extraordinary Talk Show with Della Hill. Search YouTube and Facebook, Spotify, or Podbean for video and podcasts of this show or go to RadioStGeorge.com. We'll see you next week for another edition of The Extraordinary Talk Show. KDXI.